The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. A large crowd of people was following Jesus, including women who were mourning and wailing for him. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Be sure of this, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never gave birth, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things to the greenwood, what will happen to the dry? Two other men who were criminals were led away with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They cast lots to divide his garments among them. The people stood watching. The rulers were ridiculing him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also made fun of him. Coming up to him, they offered him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription written above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging there was blaspheming him, saying, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, since you are under the same condemnation? We are punished justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for what we have done. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Amen, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was arrested for being disruptive by the chief priests and elders and other leaders of the church. Jesus was being disruptive because he was bringing to bear on people's lives the word of God. The word of God is disruptive. It doesn't just affirm everything that we already think and do. So they hated Jesus, they would say, for being disruptive, but really for exposing their evil. In Jesus, the light came into the world, but they preferred the darkness instead of the light so that they could carry on doing what they were doing. They had to get rid of that light. As it turned out, this was a whole lot easier than they were expecting. They were prepared to go to great lengths, securing a spy, arresting him at night in a secluded place. These were folks who knew how to turn a screw. But they didn't need to go to all that trouble because Jesus wasn't a liar. If Jesus were shrewd, like we pride ourselves as being, they, weren't, they, they would have gone, had to go to a whole lot more trouble. 
in order to get what they wanted, which was for Jesus to die. But as it turned out, Jesus told them exactly what they wanted to hear. They asked him, Are you the Son of God? And Jesus said, Yes, it is as you say. Well, they were like case closed. What need have we for more witnesses? You've heard it from his own lips. That's blasphemy if I've ever heard it. Who claims to be the Son of God? So ended that trial. And then when Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate, they had to change their tactics a little bit. Pilate couldn't care less about what's orthodox and unorthodox politics is how Jesus could be nailed here. He's been letting himself be called a king. In fact, just the other day, they had a parade for him. They were singing Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. He calls himself a king. Of all the things that Jesus could have been charged with, this was, in fact, something that always did prick up the ears of the Romans. The Romans were very practical people, dollars and cents sorts of people. Believe whatever you want, so long as you keep on working and keep paying your taxes and aren't disruptive to the status quo. Rival kings, though, would not be tolerated. Of course, Pilate thought Jesus was no rival. He thought Jesus was nuts. Pilate tried to get him off the hook. But Jesus didn't help in this regard because Pilate asked him, Are you a king? And he didn't lie. I am as you say. Well, then, so be it. And Pilate sent along a special sign to hang on Jesus' cross, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The idea of Jesus being king provided a lot of comedic material for everybody involved. The soldiers at the chief priest's house blindfolded Jesus, punched him, and then said, Prophesy, O Son of God, who punched you? Later, a purple robe was draped upon him, and a crown of thorns was put on his head, and they broke off a stalk of reed for him to carry as a scepter. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And then they took that little reed out of his hand, and they bopped him on the head with it. What an idiot. You heard some of this kind of thing in our reading. He saved others. Stands to reason, then, that he should be able to save himself. Come down from that cross, O Christ of God, and then we'll believe you. Oh, you can't come down from that cross, can you? Those nails have got you stuck there. Well, I guess you aren't much of a god, then, are you? Even the two criminals who themselves were fastened tightly to their own crosses by nails, joined in on the reviling. They were as guilty as guilty can be, but at least they weren't naive idiots like Jesus. How common that is in the minds of evil people. At least I'm not like that person. I might be mean, might be greedy, but at least I'm not like him. Maybe that's the 
devil's motivation for all his temptations. He can point at us poor sinners and say, at least I'm not like that. I wonder if that thought still gives any comfort in the dark halls of hell. At least I'm not like that. But Luke gives us a gift when it comes to these two criminals. As you heard in our reading, one of these two criminals comes to his senses. The other Gospels don't get into that, but Luke does, and it's quite something to hear. May we all become like this thief on the cross. He gives the Christian confession. In fact, there is no other kind of confession that is Christian besides the one that this man gives. As you know, confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is, forgiveness. And this is what this man does. He chastises the other thief with tremendous words. Don't you fear God? That is the question, is it not? Do you fear God? Or do you keep him safely out of mind so that nothing disrupts your practicing of evil? Do you console yourself with the thought, it'll probably be fine? And then the thief says, we deserve the punishment that we are receiving. We've done wrong. This man between us, he hasn't done anything wrong. And this also is an amazing thing for anyone to say, and so incredibly rare. Now, I'm always picking on you guys and how you live your lives, so I'll pick on some strangers for a change to illustrate how rare this is. In 2008, the financial sector collapsed on the whole globe. And why did it collapse? Because bankers and investors and a whole bunch of already other, already filthy rich people were making ridiculous financial moves, like it was a casino. And they couldn't lose, and they were raking it in, never able to make enough for just sitting there and doing nothing. Plus, all kinds of people were lying their heads off. The rating agencies, for example, were lying to beat the band. And why? Because if they didn't lie, they'd, they'd lose their clients. They'd go out of business because they'd just go someplace else. They didn't have a choice, you see. Well, this house of cards had to collapse because it was built on lies. And then when it did collapse, the richest ones who should have lost everything ended up getting even richer. Now, this fraud changed everything. We are still living in the shadow of it, and we will continue to live in the shadow of it until our current house of cards gets blown over. This was the biggest fraud in the history of the world. But not a single one of these greedy, lying, lazy cheats spent a single day in jail. They didn't even get charged and put on trial. They didn't have to go through the stress of a trial. 
Every day, tiny little sneak thieves and embezzlers get the book thrown at them. And they get stuck in prison for 10 or 20 years for stealing an infinitesimally smaller amount of money than these giants stole. The two men crucified with Jesus were thieves. But in our society, we name buildings after our thieves. They're held in high esteem. And of course, the last thing that they would ever do is say that they were sorry because, of course, it's not their fault. Or take this insane virus that has made our life miserable and killed a huge number of people. In fact, Dave Bartles, one of ours, is in the hospital right now with this stupid virus. This virus was almost certainly cooked up in a lab somewhere, but even if this particular one wasn't, there's no disputing the fact that there are scientists who are doing, quote, gain-of-function research on viruses and bacteria and funguses. Gain-of-function means that they are purposely making the diseases deadlier, even more contagious, and so on. Even though perhaps millions of people have been essentially murdered by these scientists and the governments who pay them, nobody said they're sorry. If there were ever a time for sackcloth and ashes, wouldn't it be for those involved in this conflagration that was unleashed upon the earth? But not only is there no sackcloth and ashes, you can't even ask where it came from. The powers that be would have everybody assume that it came from a pangolin, whatever that is. And let's just leave it at that. What bigger investigation could be possible than this one? Where did this come from? How did this happen? You'd think that the love of money and the love of fame would propel people to ferret out the truth. But we're not living in a time of truth. And that's not surprising. And now I'm going to turn on you. That's not surprising if only you consult yourself and the way you do things. You don't want to take responsibility for what you've done either. It's not our fault, you see. We don't want the light anywhere near those portions of our life that we want to keep hidden in the dark so that we can keep doing what we want. We, like the bank executives, don't want to say we're sorry. And why should we? Here's a little bit of truth, actually. They're not sorry. And neither are we. Maybe we won't be sorry until we land ourselves in hell. And then, boy, oh boy, will we be sorry. We're so proud and tight-lipped in this life, we won't say we're sorry. We're probably fine. Nobody will know because we've kept it in the dark. We won't confess or change our ways. But here's the question. 
Do you fear God? There's one last thing that is extraordinary about this thief's confession. There's one more true thing that he says. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember how all those bigwigs and the powers that be have been amusing themselves at Jesus' expense? He fancies himself a king. How droll. And they carry on with their wicked lives. Meanwhile, this guilty, punished, humiliated thief actually believes that Jesus is king. You can tell it by his words. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And so he is. Jesus always spoke the truth. Are you the son of God? Yes, even though it meant death. Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, even though it meant mockery and death. Jesus, unlike us, never lies. He is truth and light and life instead of lies and darkness and death. So Jesus says another true thing to this man. He says, Amen, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus would remember him according to this man's request. He would remember him in his kingdom. And what is Jesus' kingdom? It is truth and light and life. Jesus says in another place, This is the basis for the judgment. This is how people are judged. The light has come into the world, yet the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. In fact, everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light or else his deeds would be exposed. But the one who does what is true comes toward the light in order that his deeds may be seen as having been done in connection with God. Since this is the basis for judgment, come toward the light. Sure, that light is going to expose your evil deeds. And that's no fun, I know. There's a good reason why tears so often accompany confessions of guilt. But the only other alternative available for you is to shun the light. And you can maybe shun the light for the next 10 years, 20 years, 80 years, I don't know, however many years you have left to live. And then your wicked lives are going to be exposed anyway. The books are then open to all, record truly telling what each has done both great and small while he on earth was dwelling. So learn from this wise criminal. He really is tremendously wise. He's so much wiser than our titans of finance and our oh-so-clever scientists. His wisdom did not come from flesh and blood. It came from God. It had to have come from God because he's practically bursting with truth. By God's truth, he was transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus. So it was for him, so it is now, and so it will be for all those who follow his example. Jesus, remember me 
in your kingdom. And then when the time is right, you will be with him in paradise. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.